Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the MBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash. Today we are speaking to someone whose brother has been on the show before. If you remember, we spoke to Mahesh Ramakrishnan in episode number 18. Today we speak to his brother, Ved Ramakrishnan. Wait, I did not realize that you're older than Mahesh. You certainly look a lot younger in your LinkedIn profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks Avinash, for having me. And uh, uh, thanks for the compliment as well. Yeah, no problem at all. So, you know, it is really while doing my research that I discovered that, that you're actually older than Mahesh. Um, so anyway, back to the intro. Uh, Wade started off his journey as an engineer. He's done his master's in computer science from Utah State University in the U.S. In fact, Wade has been in the U.S. for almost 15 odd years. Wade has largely worked in management consulting. He's got 12 plus uh, years of hands-on experience uh, in managing global cross-functional teams, business planning and strategy. Wade has done his MBA from the University of Texas, Austin, McCombs School of Business. He currently works as a manager at Ernst & Young, called EY, I guess now. So, Wade, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and uh, thanks for your time as well. No worries at all. So, how would you like to describe your journey in your own words? Sure. Um, it's definitely been an interesting one, and uh, I'd say a, a good set of uniqueness to it as well. Um, I think, as I, I think you you just pretty much summarized uh, some of the roadmap, the big milestones that you know I've uh, had in my uh, uh, during my educational days. Uh, the roadmap itself, I mean, if I were to look at it, it's where um, it's me starting to think about what I want to be, right, and what I want to do along the way, um, and me trying to kind of lay my road as I kind of move forward, right. So that's kind of how I would say. Um, I've taken this path um, that I wanted to kind of be on. And uh, obviously, with a lot of roadblocks, with a lot of uh, uh, guidances from a lot of folks as well, um, certainly I'm at a point where um, I am now. And uh, it has been interesting. It has been a great learning experience, um, certainly for you know achievers, uh, certainly for folks who are looking to go from point A to point B. Uh, I think this is a great uh you know, platform that you're also providing, Avinash, and uh, I'm, I'm happy I could, you know, kind of show you and tell you where and how uh, my journey and what I've done along the way. Yeah, no, no worries. Thanks a lot for that. So, you know, as someone from India, I have to ask. <laughs> so you did your bachelor's in uh, information technology and then you went on to do your master's in computer science. From what I can see, you went right after you finished your bachelor's. Now, the whole aspect of doing in engineering and computer science, is that something you always wanted to do or is that something that almost became like an expected outcome from you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, like you mentioned, if you were to rewind 15 years back and <laughs> if you were to ask me what was the coolest thing back then, right? And we're talking, you know, early, literally the, the year of, you know, Y2K, I was, I was doing my undergrad and, you know, things happening around the world, things that you kind of hear. It was probably the hottest thing, um, right? It's as uh, hot as what Bitcoin is today, I guess, yeah. right? Uh, so anyway, that's that was, uh, if I were to simply put an answer to it, that would probably be the biggest driving factor of me going into that line and my interest in it at that time. And uh, that kind of started off my career, right? And so that's what gotten, uh, got me to where 
I guess, to the U.S., to the university where I, I went to uh, Utah State. Um, they had a great program, and I definitely wanted to kind of take it further. Um, so that's that kind of got me where I'm at today, right, if not for that start, mm-hmm. uh, is the way I would put it. Yeah, absolutely. So you did your master's, and then I can see you went on to work as a data analyst, mostly um, uh, across the different companies, and that's where uh, you you grew your career for a long period of time before you did your MBA. How how was that journey? How were those ten years between your finishing your master's in computer science and your MBA, or beginning so, of the MBA rather? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it was uh, it was a great experience. I mean, I the uh, the type of aspirations that I had before my first job, right? So right out of college, right? Um, after doing your undergrad, you're doing your master's and you're thinking, you know, I could go work for one of these great big companies, right? At that time, Microsoft, Yahoo, Silicon Valley was just doing perfectly fine, right? And um, while I could have done that, in my mind, I was thinking I wanted to, I had this spirit of entrepreneurship, right? Where mm. I wanted to go in, right, and help these smaller little firms, little companies or groups within larger companies where I can be a part of something that is changing, that is revolutionizing, right? And what I felt was uh, the way to approach, the way to do that was to kind of go in, be that uh, either a subject matter expert or uh, provide them some sort of knowledge, expertise. And also I had a huge learning curve then. So I wanted to learn from those groups, teams, companies, right? And so what I did was basically become an independent consultant, um, kind of taking, I would say, um, individual projects, right, that I would be part of, and uh, obviously being an agent of change, right? That if you if you look at the first uh, eight, nine, or close to ten years of that journey, that's pretty much what I was doing. And so the work that I did at that time um, gained a lot of, I'd say. Over time, I got traction in what I uh, kind of was being carved into, which was you know more on the performance improvement, the data analytics side, uh, and I started learning business as within those sectors, within those industries, if you will. And that kind of paved the path and had me thinking where I had to take a step back and I was like, whoa, this is great, but then what do I need to do in order to kind of go to the next level, right? Get me where, uh, get me from this point A to point B where there was a big gap in between, right? And that kind of started me in the path of uh, pursuing, you know, an MBA, right? I see, I see. That's interesting. So so you mentioned that you did have a, a thought process or at least a spirit of entrepreneurship or trying to make a difference or trying to make a contribution uh, to, to projects that matter. So at and at any point of time, did you consider starting off your own venture or is that something that's still on the cards for you? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't, uh, the way I would put it is um, a lot of people say, well, I'm kind of waiting for it to happen, right? And I personally, I don't believe in that. Uh, if, you've, if you're waiting for it, I don't think there's, there's a particular time for you to start. If you know what you want to do and if you know you want to do it, just it's already late, right? That's a that's kind of the message that you uh, a lot of us will hear. In my case, um, I still go back to that and say I am waiting for it to start. But what I'm doing in the process is doing a lot of market analysis research and gaining experience. Plus, what's more, I think 
think most important in my mind, at least in what I want to do, is the relationships, right? It's the trust that you're building. And how do I best do that is to be out there, talk and just get one your name, get your knowledge, experience and expertise um, based on the work that you're doing. Just make sure you are a product, right? Not It's not just... Uh, you know, a company that you're starting, you know what you're going to do and you are an asset in, in yourself. So the bigger, the stronger that is, um, you could make a larger impact in when you kind of want to start something someday, right? So obviously, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm growing the pie in my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a matter of, in my mind, when is the right time to actually start, uh, you know, uh, serving the pie to my customers. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, good point. Good point. So, how what what was your thought process in first of all wanting to do MBA from University of Texas Austin McCombs? Um, was it uh, was it the location? Was it the curriculum? Was it the people? Was it yeah? What what was it? What was your thought process? Why did you decide to do it from there? Yeah, uh, great question and. Um, I think this is this is a very this is probably the most common question that uh, a lot of folks who want to do their MBA ask, right? So, um, I, same question popped up in my mind uh, about four years before I actually started my MBA, and so, so all I've been doing for those three to four years is visiting these universities, going to these places, and connecting with the people, trying to find out. You know, I wish I wish there was an MBA jam at that time where I could just listen to. You know, all these great folks tell them, tell about their experiences, right? But no, I had to do this from, from scratch. So I pretty much went around asking for the biggest impacts that I would have. So for me, getting into a school, at least in my mind, was relatively the easy part. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I thought that was the easy part, right? Uh, maybe it was overconfidence. But then for me, it was more about what am I going to get when I am done and through right, with this? What is going to be the impact? So everything tied to that is what impacted or my decision personally in choosing this school. So I would look at the relationships, the alumni, the uh, you know the the job profiles of folks who finished from this school. Um, obviously, the financials were were obviously a factor. Um, the location, right? Um, what is the um, how well is the brand known and being it a brand, right? What impact does that have? Like just being a brand doesn't mean, you know, you're going to get X, right? So mm-hmm. what is the impact that the brand will have? What is the impact the relationship will have? Uh, and when I'm talking relationship, it's mentoring, it's alumni, it's uh, business relationships, it's uh, the corporate uh, level relationships that, you know, the school plus all of these uh, it's almost a community, right? If you mm. kind of come down to Austin, you'll see that it is a huge community around the school. Um, it was started as a town school. So all of that kind of helped me push, come down to this decision. I mean, I can even tell you, here are the five places that I short listed to, and then obviously it boiled down to Austin when I looked at all of these. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I think that itself would be quite um, useful to understand. So which are the other universities that you did consider? Right. So I would say um, the top two were Southern Methodist University, which is mm-hmm. also based out of Dallas here. Um, UT Austin was based out of Austin. And uh, we also have a very good uh, MBA school that, um, based out of Dallas, and that's uh, the University of Texas at Dallas. Um, 
So out of, so these are the top three in my mind, per se. Other than these, I looked at Rice University from Houston, mm-hmm. and I also looked at um, Utah State, also had an MBA program, which they, they were, you know, obviously as an alumni, um, I would have a lot of, uh, how do you say, upside, uh, just because I had, I had relationships, I knew the school, I knew folks who worked um, in the department, faculty, staff, so I had personal relationships and I was really, this is like my alumnus, right? So I was, I, that was one of my other picks as well. Yeah. I was happy to go back for school if that was uh, the case. Um, one question, I did also look at some of the Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I did not pursue with the Ivy League just because of uh, uh, travel and family restrictions. Because for me, if I wanted to do an MBA, um, and my family being in Texas, I would definitely have to move there if I wanted to kind of dedicate myself, and I wasn't ready for that. So, um, why? Well, that's one of the reasons I was telling you, hey, you know, getting in, you know, where <laughs> I'll figure it out. But, uh, but if I wanted to, obviously, the Ivy League would have been challenging, and I didn't kind of go for that. Um, Boot School of Business was also in the list, but I would go. Uh, I was choosing the professional program, which means you could keep working, and then you'd have, you know, Fridays, Saturdays. Um, classes every week uh, that you kind of fly down to Chicago and take. Um, so that was another option that I was also considering. So these were kind of my sample set that I was working with um, when I was ready to apply. I see. I see. I think. I think again, I'm losing a couple of words here and there. Are you able to hear me? Okay. I'm able to hear you just fine. And uh, okay. let me move closer so you could hear me better. Fair enough. I think we're getting the gist of it uh, anyway. So I think uh, we, we should be okay. So uh, so going back to the university, so you mentioned you had a, a family. Um, were you married back then? I was, yes. Okay. I was. Okay. And, um, and we, um, when I started looking, we didn't have a kid. When I actually mm. started my MBA, my son was about two, two and a half years old. So I say that you know, it wasn't just me who did the MBA. It was my family who pretty much got the MBA. Because it, it, if not for their help and their support, there's no way I was going to be out there, uh, you know, dedicating all my time uh, to this. Yeah, absolutely. Did you do a full-time MBA or was it uh, the part-time or executive MBA? So this was a professional program where um, we would have weekend classes in Dallas to Austin is about three hours. And so what we'd have is the actual faculty just not the classroom. So all the faculty, um, all the training, everything was in-house. So we had the faculty come down to the university. So they had an extended campus here. And uh, the faculty would come down and we would have classes here um, over Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, every week. I so see. it wasn't, it wasn't, it's just that we weren't in Austin. But then we would go down to Austin almost every month just to attend, you know, curriculum events you know business seminars any anything related to the program and we'd be down there so it was um though we weren't there there it was uh, the closest to a full-time program that you could find uh, uh and that was another thing that i was also looking for right where if i'm not doing a full-time i want to have the experience mm. of a full-time and be there to do it which is kind of why i kept everything else out of the equation yeah or absolutely. i had to kind of uh, uh, prioritize right Absolutely, absolutely. Very, very true. So what were some of your objectives when you started off the business school? Uh, Did you have some specific goals in mind, maybe in regards to a specific career option you wanted to explore or specific classes or specific skill sets that you wanted to try and complete um, from your, uh, you know, uh, knowledge point of view? 
Um, I'll tell you, um, there was, you know, I had a few uh, great leaders that I worked with, right, prior to my MBA, mm. right? And the, the primary driver, right, in me was always asking myself the question, why? And I'll, and I'll explain it, in, you know, in a, little, um, in a little more detail, right? So I used to be, you know, I used to work with one leader um, at this particular project where we used to help him, enable him with the right type of analytics, you know, drivers, indicators, KPIs that this person would go in and make a ton of decisions with. So I knew I was part of the change, but I was trying to understand or I never had a chance to actually ask him the question, why would he make, you know, decision X based off of all this, right? So for me, it was more like I wasn't getting the bigger picture, right? And this is, again, could be a commonly used phrase. But then Mm. in my case, it was asking, why was this person doing this if we had given him data that might suggest why, correct? So um, it was that driving, so the driving factor for me was, I've got to understand these, right? And for me, if you look at my background, I don't have financials, I'm not in accounting, I'm not into any of those that would, some of those factors might have influenced this. And so for me, that was a huge gray area, right? So one of the things that I wanted to get out of my MBA was understanding business, not only from the data perspective, which is very important, but trying to drive down what are the influencing factors that based off of what, you know, there's a story that the data tells you, but that's only a part of the pie, right? What else is affecting that essentially moves this company or this leader to go in a different direction, right? In order for me to do that, um, I kind of wanted to understand every single factor that was out there, right? That included me for getting the technicals right and then understanding the uh, mindset or the opinion of the let's say management right um, and then going with that so for me it was working to where I needed to fill in the gaps both uh, from a theoretical aspect and then moving on to the mindset aspect the change management aspect if you will right as to what is driving that so these were some factors that pushed me to you know why why an mba right you could ask mm-hmm. me well you could have done a degree in finance that included accounting and everything and you could have gotten this as well right but for me the business aspect of it right what else is there on top of this that would kind of um, oversee overshadow some of these drivers yeah right? absolutely. was one of the big big reasons Absolutely, because because actually the, the follow-up question I had was uh, looking back now that you have done your MBA uh, almost you finished it three years ago, do you think you could have gotten that kind of exposure and knowledge by just working your way through? See that, um, exactly, right? So while I looked, and personally, I did research, right? And then everybody goes through this phase where like, if I need to pay how many ever thousands of dollars, <laughs> right, to get this degree... Can I not figure this out? Because if I'm if I'm looking for something, hey, hey, there's YouTube. There's just so much material out there. Like like mm. uh, people such as yourself, right? Putting together this content, this knowledge. Uh, there was a lot of good things. But then, what I wanted is the uh, outside, beyond the relationships. Me trying to understand what are these thinkers, and I and I say the uh, the faculty, the folks who have taught us, are really the the they're the thinkers in the industry, right? They're the folks who do the research. They're the ones who are forward, who are pushing things forward or pushing the boundaries. And they're saying, well, did you think about this? While this happened, right, in a particular scenario, they'd say, are you thinking about this also, right? And that's um, 
alternative aspect of looking or alternative ways of looking at things was, I think, a key driver. I actually sat down in two universities for classroom Hmm. sessions that they would include me in. And the only thing I would take away from this is, hey, on top of the brand, on top of everything that I expected, these folks are pushing us beyond our current thought uh, thoughts and imagination, what we're probably um, inclined to seeing and using, etc. Right. So they're making a step back, think out loud on, on what could else, what else could be happening, etc. So the moment I sat in those classes, I was like, it, this is way beyond more than just me going to, you know, me reading a finance and accounting book, getting just the theory of it and going and applying. No, no, no. This is more about thinking through, there's the whole thought process behind it. And that drives change. So for me, an MBA would give me that whole package, right? In addition to, now, if you recall, 10 minutes back, I told you what was the impact the program was having. So I was looking at jobs, I was looking at companies and, you know, um, what jobs could I find in Texas after this, right? And things Mm. like that. But then it was like, well, if it's changing my thought process, if it's just making me a a, a better thinker, a better decision maker. I think that that value is way. I would say almost outweighs, um, you know, outweighs some of this. And obviously, that is going to be a driving factor for success in my mind. And for me, then the value was just, you know, what I just have to pick the best of the lot, right? It was it was down to that more than a decision of should I do an MBA or not. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. You know, sitting in the classes and actually getting getting the ambience of of the of the environment that you might be dedicating a couple of years. That that I can see how that's really contributive. Um, do you have any tips for people who cannot really go to these universities? Like in in your case, it it was relatively easier because you were in the U.S. already. But I'm thinking about you know some international students uh, who want to try and understand how the universities are. Um, yeah, in the classroom environment. Do you have any tips? Do you have a chance to consider how others can also try and get this experience? Absolutely. Um, and this is something, and I'll be honest with you, though I went to school to University of Texas at Austin, when I was at school for those for those two years, um, I would look at materials that were being uh, leveraged, utilized, cases being spoken about, um, you know, the type of companies that were being used as examples to teach some concepts in other schools, in neighboring schools, mm. right? And that, um, so that, like I said, it's, it. in fact, we had professors who would tell us, you know, go, go talk to or, you know, speak to a student who's sitting in this university, right? Go talk to uh, this faculty who's a friend of mine. You know, feel free to reach out or here is a website that this person weekly updates or a Twitter feed. Um, and honestly, I have done that. I still, to date, do that. Um, I have specific folks that I kind of reach out to to kind of keep myself going, keep myself updated on what their, you know, their teachings have taken them to what their faculty have taught them and pushed them to do towards, right? Not It's not, not only restricted to my... So in my mind, you could be in a different corner of the world, but if it's the world is so connected, you if you have the right tools, uh, the technology to kind of push you to where you want to really be, I think you could do it, um, right? So yep. that's, that's how I have been, I would say, you know, on top of things, if you will. Right. That's just my way. There's probably I know a lot of other people who've, who've uh, 
done other things, but this has been my um, journey, right? And for me, it wasn't just uh, an MBA from one school, but for me, it was a collective um, MBA. And I have, you know, good friends who did their MBAs from other schools. We have different, you know, means of communication, but we talk business-related items as well. We shared, you know, you got LinkedIn, you got Twitter. So we, I follow a professor of my friends, right? Because this person is excellent at corporate finance, for example, versus uh, another professor in Stanford, you know, who um, gives out specific material, which is very, very solid, very helpful. So once you get into the groove of things, I think the connectivity really helps kind of propel you to a different level. And for my fellow mates, right, even even I have uh, cousins in India who've talked to me about, hey, how, what school do I kind of go to in India, for example, that would kind of give me the quality of education that you're giving them, right? Mm-hmm. And I've suggested a few names, but I haven't been there, but I have friends who have, right? Um, Mahesh, my brother, is a great example, right? Um, we talk, we have talked uh, extensively in business terms, numbers in, you know, let's say stocks, right? We're talking about a company. We have talked about why is a company unique versus another, which may not be and, you know, the success and all that. So we go into discussions. So things like that, the more you kind of talk to folks who have a different mindset um, based on where they live, where they've gone, done their MBA, you just gain more knowledge. So for me, it's that collective um, uh, group of knowledge that you gain as you do an MBA that really matters at the end of the day. It Honestly, as long as you're doing it with a school that gives you the ability to kind of that pushes you to go out and really look and do that collective uh, gathering of knowledge, I would say you can't go wrong uh, with picking almost any school um, as long as, you know, you kind of have that um, freedom to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that, 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 that is so true because in your case, I can see that you took the, you were very proactive. You're the one who took the right steps at, at the relevant moments to just, um, you know, to educate yourself, to fill the knowledge gap. In a lot of cases, I have seen where MBA students just sit back and they expect things to just come uh, in, in, in their stride all the time, which doesn't work practically. Uh, do you have any experience along those lines? Have you seen that kind of experiences where, you know, MBA students especially just sit back and wait for things to happen? Oh, yeah. You know, without quoting names, I would say <laughs> a great example of my classmates. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not all of them, of course. Very few, right, who, who expected a lot more from this because they're always like their value is, uh, you know, how much they've paid for versus what they're getting, right? For me, the value was this is just the immediate network. So it's almost like on LinkedIn, you've got your first degree connection, right? Mm. And then you've got to obviously, if you really want to move forward, what is the second degree that you're trying to leverage? That, and if you were to map it out, that tells you who, what, you're you know who you're connecting with why you're connecting with them is you know could could be a a different reason but that tells you a story right what are you trying to do with your first degree connections how are you taking it to the next level that's kind of how i saw this right so if you go back to my thoughts it's exactly what i did to my faculty well ut austin yes it's in the top i think 15 now or something like that but i would ask my professors hey i'm sure you talk to friends of yours who are at these different levels who are they? Who would you recommend, right? Just give me one name, right? And so this person in uh, corporate finance actually told me about this other professor who is based out of uh, 
Stern School of Business, right? And it happens out that this person has a Twitter handle, and, and the articles that this person puts out is just amazing, right? It simplifies some of the most hard, toughest concepts in that, uh, in that line to something so simple something so understandable you know for a student or somebody who's not even in the industry right and the way they've done it the way they've approached it is just brilliant so the, i'm just giving you one solid example mm. but then i pretty much did this for ev almost every uh, professor that i kind of work closely with i do that with my friends my college mates right and i would try to just expanding your network and expanding it in the right way and you're going to meet a, a ton of people but then you get to pick and choose who you think might kind of take you to that next level depending on where you want to get and you obviously want to eventually slowly tap into that right that's how in my mind uh, you know anybody would kind of grow uh, both personally professionally um, right and and to gather that collective knowledge if you will yeah, absolutely. Now, now you know there was a longest gap between the time you finished your previous formal education and 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 the MBA eight to nine years, right? How did you yep. mentally prepare yourself to get back into this formal education? What did you do to mentally prepare yourself? Maybe in terms of academics, or maybe in terms of you know just just preparing to go back to school. <laughs> Actually, uh, the preparation more than uh, mental. I think for me personally, it was way beyond uh, just. You know, just the change, just accepting that I'm going to be doing an MBA. It was way beyond that for me. I had I had a whole family <laughs> that I had to prepare. <laughs> so for me, it was more so I better be bought in if I because I was selling this to you know my wife and <laughs> obviously uh, any help that she needed. So for me, it was actually going beyond just first. I was already sold. You know, like I said, I've been researching, attending classes for almost four years, right before I actually started school. Mm. So I have been attending going to universities whenever i get a chance i'll just go visit campus you know talk to a few folks connect with them email so i've been doing that so for me it was a matter of not doing it but actually where i was going to do it and what what would my path look like right so i was already thinking beyond the two years right yeah, but what I, I would mean, my third year look like sorry sorry right? to interrupt a yeah. very relevant point yeah. came across so so since you were doing it for almost four years did 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 nobody say look Probably he's not serious. Probably he's never going to do it. <laughs> did, 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 did the thought never come into anybody's mind saying, maybe he's researching and maybe he'll continue researching, but he may never actually end up doing it? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I've, you know, you're going to have naysayers around you all the time. Mm. Um, in my mind, uh, I was going to say it, that it's just a matter of time. And uh, while, while I was researching, you know, one, I was obviously I wanted to make sure I had enough to pay for my <laughs> expenses. Right. I I had to make sure my family was sold and what would be the right time to start. Right. So it, for me, like I said, it wasn't a matter of doing it. What mm. is the right time to start? Was it right? And then, um, you know, obviously, I, let me also tell you, well, at that time, there was a period in which, um, you know, I, I came here uh, as a student. Right. And so you've got your visa um, or issues also that you kind of have to work through, right? Yeah. So that there was some of there was a year gap in between where I could have started a year earlier, but then I was like, you know what? Let me make sure I get this paperwork. So there's a little bit of that, but then really essentially three years of research um, going back. But you're gonna have naysayers around you. Um, my only thought process: if you if you have made a decision, um, just I would say make a wise one. Make sure you do your research. And uh, once you've made the decision, just uh, see what 
best you could make out of it, right? Um, that's that's the simplest advice because going into this school, I'm not going to tell you that this is the best school that's out there. No, honestly, there are better schools, right? But what could you do? What would you do to make best use of what you have currently, right? And in my mind, yes, there's a couple of things that I could have done better, uh, but there were some restrictions and I feel I did a decent extent of, uh, you know, me extracting value from this this particular MBA that I have been part of, the journey that I've been part of. Yeah, absolutely. Completely, completely agreed. So when you were doing your MBA, what kind of career choices or options were you considering? So obviously right now you're in management consulting, but is that something that was pretty obvious when you started doing and while you were doing or yeah, what were your other options you were considering? Absolutely. So um, if you were to ask me um, options, right, I'll, I'll go into that in a second. But before that, for me, um, the why still remains um, hmm. uh, intact, right? I kind of wanted to be part of that change, right? However big or small. So I that hasn't changed or that hadn't changed back then. And the way I could execute it, I saw it in two ways. One, I've got to be uh, a management consultant in that way. Uh, and I think the power uh, that a management consultant has is one, going into different clients, gaining that experience while sharing knowledge as to what he or she has gained in the past, right? So what is the market telling you? So the power of having that in your hands is, I thought, very valuable. So that, that was management consulting was certainly one area that I wanted to, I knew I wanted to kind of try to get in, right? The other side of things were to kind of be part of the industry where change is happening, Right. And for me, that was very specific to the type of industries, the type of companies that are actually introducing change in today's world. Right. And there's um, I mean, I could go into so obviously there, there are obvious examples of those. And mm -hmm. being part of those companies, you are in the forefront of change. So it was deciding between do I want to be part of change within a sector industry or would I want to be part of change being sector and industry agnostic to a certain extent. And if I, if you were to track back my personal career, I've been an independent consultant where I wanted to be part of these projects that could and would change eventually, but then the knowledge and experience that you gain was unique. So for me, if I were to prioritize going into industry versus management consulting, I'd say it was a good 60-40 of management consulting kind of taking the higher priority, which is kind of where I put my efforts into kind of looking to see what would um, be a good fit for you know somebody with my background, somebody with my skills, etc. I see, I see, I see. So management consulting was obviously a, a very good option for you at at that point of time. Correct, and and maybe to add one more thing to that area, I wanted to say I did not start off right with EY right after school. Hmm. I actually started off with a company, uh, a small company called UMT Consulting that was a boutique consulting firm based out of New York City that in, in what they did was very, their value proposition was very unique, very different from, um, you know, basically what the McKinsey's and Bain's do, for example, right? They kind of took concepts and they would kind of put things in place that were very um, tangible, right? They would, they would use technologies and processes to kind of enable some of the concepts that these bigger companies would kind of put in place and typically walk away from them. So for us, we wanted to, we were change agents of a lot of concepts that 
were either already there or if they were not there, we'd introduce them and we'd be part of that change. And um, I use change, the word change a lot. And you'll see that just because of the impact that ha- that it has on almost every client that uh, that I've either been part of or managed. I see. I see. I did see the Unity consult, uh, Consulting Group, but I think I saw the EY logo. So is it that EY bought the company or what? what's the story there? Correct. So, you, uh, so, so UMT uh, basically was um, the services division was bought by EY uh, about about three years back. I see. I see. I see. Interesting. So, now you know. Looking back uh, to your journey, are there are there some points and specific you know instances where you want to say, I wish I would have done something differently. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, an alternate route, right? I mean, this is the fr- um, this question I've gotten from a very good friend of mine who um, we, we both, you know, introspect or retrospect a lot. And we kind of <laughs> talk about, hey, what could have been better if we'd done this, right? Things like that. And when we do that, I think the one thing that comes to mind is rather than, you know, and, and I'm talking pre-MBA now. So mm. pre-MBA days, I could have gotten into an actual um, carrier in the industry because for me it was about just bringing change it was just bringing an impact right and I could have you know certainly moved to the Silicon Valley for example right uh, right from if you know geographically where Utah is the Silicon Valley is a lot closer than where Texas is but I ended up driving down to Texas to be here so I could have certainly gone the other direction and I could have pursued my career there that would have been my alternate life right <laughs> where had I been there done that I don't know what that would have brought me or what that would have gotten me into, right? Maybe the startup scene there, right, was definitely a lot better. It still is. But um, maybe that's something that would have attracted me instantly, right? And then I would have, mm. my conversation to you would be very different today, right? <laughs> so so one thing I think about is, you know, why could it, why did I not choose to do that? Or had I done that, would that have me impact, uh, creating more impact than what I am doing today is always a question because ultimately that's the goal that I you know told you or mentioned about right so that's something always lingers in my head but then it's one of those things where you're like well I guess it's a little late for that right but uh, again I still have my wife telling me you know it's never too late if you still have a chance if you still if still something you know you think there's something that we can do to change hey let's just you know go for it right so she's she's an extremely supportive person that way but that doesn't help either. Because now I am the one making the decision, so, um, right? So I'm the one who's actually pulling the plug if I need to. But yeah. that that could have been an alternate route. That's the way I think of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, and 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 I completely get where you're coming from because you know sometimes there are some obvious practical constraints. Like in your case, you mentioned briefly about the visa, and to be honest, is not very different. Uh, sometimes when I think of it, so I'm on a visa right now when I'm in the UK, right? So. If I have to change jobs, it's a laborious process. It's not that easy. Um, the new company needs to take over the sponsorship, and that's that's hard work. And uh, you know, at, at times I have been contacted by companies uh, that are outside the UK. They, they are somewhere in Europe, and uh, you know, while talking to them, they're like, "Yeah, but you have to be flexible when you want to grow your career." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're talking from." slightly privileged position it doesn't always work like that with every single scenario so there are some i i i guess there are some practical constraints around these choices as well (laughs) exactly and 
and to, to your point, that's that's exactly right. Where one of the reasons why I couldn't, you know, um, you know, though I could have gone into the industry, like I said, I could have been with one of these bigger industry players at the time, a tech player, right? Which I certainly could have, uh, how do you say, tried tried harder and probably been part of. But um, and then eventually, now that I'm in a position, I'm I am more flexible, right? To your point, I could have really uh, gained enough experience to kind of mm. come out, create that change, and be part of that. Whereas now I'm still in the world of where I'm learning and taking my learning to affect, you know, these other players that are part of the industry. So while I'm bringing change, it's not, uh, how do you say, the impact of it is never going to be known to an extent that I probably could have done in my ultimate life, right? Where yeah. now I'm really starting something fresh, new, it, it's, you know, a concept or whatever that is. But uh, again, like I said, that concept, that is never going to go away. Hey, if you know when... KFC was started, you know, at the age that the founder was when he started it, you'll be like, well, I'm still 25 years old, younger than him. So I still have 25 years to go ahead and start something. Right. So uh, that's that's the way I see it. So, yeah, uh, it's just it's a matter of time. It's it's just a matter of time. And uh, when things, you know, fall into place. So absolutely. No, that's that's just a great spirit. So, you know, you, you had a lot of good things to say about Texas McCombs. Uh, let me ask you on the flip side. What are some of the things that you did not like? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so some of the things I wouldn't—I mean, I wouldn't say rather than not like. Mm -hmm. um, it was more more so the, uh, you know, you're you're in the middle of Texas, right? It is it is mm -hmm. in a beautiful spot geographically, but um, what you kind of don't have is it, it is the type of support. It's the type of environment around that university that enables for for its growth, right? For its uh, students to kind of grow. So the, the, what I'm thinking about as I have this in mind is uh, compare this to a, to a school that is either in, let's say, the Silicon, close to the Silicon Valley or close to the East Coast. Like I'm talking Stern, mm -hmm. I'm talking, you know, Booth, for example, it's based out of Chicago. So these are major hubs, right? And now rewind, uh, you know, five, six years back or almost eight years back till when I was doing my research, the downside of, you know, being in kind of the central uh, area of Texas, central, you know, Austin, Texas, for example, is not known for its, uh, you know, for its, I don't know, high tech, uh, mm -hmm. visible companies that are based out of there. Now, it's attracting a lot more, more bigger firms. And, uh, you know, Dallas uh, Metroplex is growing, you know, it's multiplied. But all that is post, I guess, uh, 2010-ish, right, is when all of this even started. Yeah. So at that time, for me, one thing that was very tough for me to accept is the type of profiles, the type of jobs, the companies would have a tough time coming in there to kind of pick. They always had better options to kind of go to, right? So the Apples, Amazons, the Googles, right, they have enough in their neighborhood where they could go and always pick kids from, right? Why do they need to come down here to Dallas? So for... So for us, creating value in them to come down here was one of the biggest, toughest selling points, you know, in for me when I was taking interviews, right? So I personally, I would have uh, uh, an executive from one of these companies come down to um, recruit us. And in conversation, they, that's one of the questions they'd ask us. You know, I just took a six-hour flight down here, right? So tell me why do I need to do all of this and pick one of you all, right? It literally, question boiled down to that. And uh so we had to sell the value that we brought to the table. Um, that was that was a little hard yeah. right, to do because um, it's not like you don't have smart people out there. 
So that was one of the things. Other than that, the faculty. So and so now, if you think about the geographic location, um, the faculty finding the right faculty, finding the right expertise for a particular area and keeping it was one of the hard things to do. If I were to uh, talk from an industry, from an uh, not an industry, from a um, university point mm-hmm. of view, right? So it was hard for the university, and I kind of saw this over the period of those three, four years. Um, you know, we it was hard to kind of keep the good uh, folks kind of down there, right? So it's it's one of those things that is constantly changing. But then if you really need good knowledge, good experience that uh, that needs to be pushed down to you, right, um, you have to go look for it. That's why I keep telling you, you're offered something, you know, on a plate, right? Mm-hmm. But that's only limited to so much. You need to go find out, you know, if there's anything better that's out there. Right. Ultimately, it boils down to that. And you're going to have this problem in a lot of other schools, a lot of other universities. Um, but again, what you make out of it is just infinite. Right. So it is the direction. It is the amount of time that you have and the resources that you've got at your disposal to kind of achieve what you want. What you really want is the way I would almost push any person uh, to kind of do. Yeah, absolutely. No, great point. Um what is the one thing you wish I had asked you? Um, as part of this, let's see. I wish um, you'd asked me about uh, um, how do I like my um, current, I mean, where I'm at mm. right now, right? So I've told, I've, I've talked about uh, this journey where I've gotten into and it makes it all seem really, really good, right? And it, <laughs> it seems like oh yeah i want to be this guy i want to kind of follow this person's path right but then um are you really happy where you're at right now is this where you want to be or where do you want to be in the next uh, couple of years right yeah absolutely uh, and i think i kind point. of answered the last one yeah <laughs> but, go for it, uh, go where, for it. where am i yeah so wh- where am i so right now you know this is uh, ey is called one of the big four consulting firms um and i'm manager there so i you know can't be thankful enough uh, for everybody every person who's been part of this uh, journey where to, to get me to where I'm at. Uh, now, let's kind of boil down to where I'm at, what is happening, right? So the industry is changing. Um, with that change comes a lot of, I would say, saturation. Um, so w- what I am kind of personally seeing is I'm seeing a lot of um, folks at my level, at my peers, friends of mine, who are at a point where they're, they're meeting a saturation point. They're hitting this wall, um, the soft wall, where there is trends. There are newer trends. There are trends that are changing, um, that, that the expectations for which um, are dynamically different than what it used to be just five years back. Right? I'm not talking about a generation. I'm talking about if going back to 2010, for example, the jobs, the, the type of you know, the hype, everything going on in 2010 is now very drastically different to what it is today and what it will be in the next two to three years. So what's happening is you're having to kind of be or uh, achieve new levels, break new highs in terms of technology, in terms of uh, the type of person you are, in, ter- in the terms of uh, the learning and growth that you've done so far and where you want to be. The, the cycle for that has gotten a lot shorter. So what does that mean? Um, in in the past, and I'm going to refer to what uh, you know my mom used to say. She never wanted to. Uh, she never liked me to kind of be or Mahesh for that matter uh, to kind of be 
doctors, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why is because of the constant learning, right? Where if there is something new, there's just thousands of journals, I'm talking thousands, I'm not even exaggerating, almost on a daily basis that come out, white papers, researches. And so to be a good doctor, to be really good at what you do, you've got to stay on top of this, right? You've got to constantly learn it read so for for her in her mind she was like if you were to become a doctor you're going to be constantly not only working but then reading and going you know just keeping yourself updated if you're not updated you're not a good doctor it was as simple as that Mm. where have we gotten to that's exactly where we are at now (laughs) if you are not dynamically changing your mindset who you are uh, where you are right and where you want to be and now it's no more a five-year progression path i would say if you're looking beyond what you're going to be doing the next two to three at the most is a big long-term plan, right? Don't even think about five or 10. Five is in itself far enough is where I would say. So that would be my two cents and where I'm at and um, what I see, uh, you know, the world changing into, or at least my little world that I'm part of and what I need to do in order to kind of keep up with that. Yeah, absolutely. So now now I can see, you know, if you combine UMT consulting and EY together, you've been there for almost four years uh, and, and you've been working on, on specific kinds of work or specific kind of uh, industries or spaces. Are you exploring newer spaces like how you mentioned very briefly like blockchain or maybe even augmented reality or virtual reality or, you know, even AI and machine learning, for example. So are you are you going to start exploring these different spaces within the same company or are you also open to you know moving around spaces uh, no, that's a great question right so i think the what i've been blessed with right being part of a big company like this this company has nothing but innovation um as part of its genes right so we have all of these pretty much every single um what is a keyword that you just mentioned mm-hmm. we have at least a group, department, and sector that is already working on some sort of an asset, a product, or a solution that we can take to our clients. Personally, I'll tell you, I have been part of uh, what's called, uh, uh, we're trying to, uh, what's called RPA, Robotic Process Automation, Mm -hmm. off a lot of repetitive processes that we already have in place. So we are going through a transformation within ourselves, within our group department. And uh, by the way, we're sector agnostic. So we could take this and apply it yesterday to a to an oil and gas firm and tomorrow to um, what do you call a healthcare company. And I have personally done both, right? I have applied one, uh, if you were to say concept, uh, and implemented it at an oil and gas and a healthcare firm. Um, so this is just direct for first, you know, experience that I'm telling you. So that is where I think the power lies, where if we are bringing these changes, this this new trend concepts, and if you're learning from within, nothing better, right? Why would I need to look out for? If you are not, and you still see this change happening, I completely agree with you. I second you. Yes, I think it's time you better start looking and evolving uh, to a place where you need to be, right? Like I said, what's your, what's your, one-year plan right yeah. everybody talks about what's your three three year and five year i'd say what's your one-year plan yeah absolutely and and you know what this is what i keep thinking a lot you can give me your thoughts because you are inside a a, a big company at the moment i think i think there was a time when startups or smaller teams started coming up everywhere 
to try and break through the market or try and disrupt the market. And I think, I, I genuinely think that's where a lot of the big companies were complacent. They did not take the ideas and disruptions really seriously. But I think now there is a shift. Now the bigger companies are actually paying a lot more attention to some of the disruptive technologies because they don't want to miss that wave. And that's where you see a big, a lot of big companies starting to research on, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency and you know, some of the latest technologies because they don't want to be where they were a few years ago. And that's where I think a big companies have the advantage and the scale and the money to back up disruptive technologies. And it is not necessarily only about startups anymore. It, exactly. Totally. And that's kind of where, you know, if you, if you look at, uh, you know, I'll just take a company like Amazon as, as an example, right? Mm. They still operate as a very entrepreneurial company. In fact, they, I think they, call themselves a startup right still today though being such as large as there they have a i think they're one of their buildings is called up the startup uh office or something like that so it is it is the mindset it is driving that down into how feasible how much can you actually innovate given how big and standardized uh, your company and your processes are right it is very it's almost like a catch-22 you have enough standardization in like a large you know accounting and audit firm versus there's a whole innovation aspect for which is continually changing so how do you kind of manage the two right it that's probably what keeps let's say my boss's boss kind of you know uh, awake at night right so how does how do you kind of keep those two wheels moving if they're not in the right direction if you will right that's the challenge but to your point yes it's these large firms that are able to kind of try pump that, you know, the cash flow into innovation, into disruption, right? And eventually what their goal is, can we make that a cash cow, right? So that mm. becomes a cash cow and then and let's continue to kind of feed that into what the next big disruption is. So that's the, if you were to think about a little uh, Z model, that's kind of what they're, what they're doing. There's a lateral cash flow, right? And then you want to take that disruption into a, a, a diagonal, upwards cash cow that you want to kind of create and then use the cash cow to now draw another uh, parallel line and flow that into what your next disruption is and kind of keep that zigzag going if you will so yeah absolutely uh, wait i'm really conscious of the time because it's very close to when you when you said um you wanted to go to a uh, go to a different meeting so you know this has been amazing thanks a lot for your time today um this is the last point is you know how do people know more about you and how can they get in touch with you Absolutely. So um, I would say LinkedIn would be a great way to uh, to reach out to me. Uh, feel free to message me on LinkedIn. My first name is Ved, V-E-D, last name Ramakrishnan. So um, you could certainly, I think that is unique enough <laughs> where you can find, and, I, and so far I have only found one Ved Ramakrishnan. Uh, so, you know, feel free to reach out to me and, uh, you know, holler if you have any questions, we certainly can talk. Absolutely. And I, I can vouch for it. Wade is really responsive on LinkedIn. All of our conversations were on LinkedIn. So yeah, uh, feel free to reach out. And if you want me to get, get you in touch with them, just let me know uh, by email. I'm, I'm happy to do an introduction. Cool. Wade, this has been fantastic. Thanks a lot for your time today. I, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Avinash. This has been excellent. Um, you know, this is certainly great what you're doing. Amazing platform. Looking forward to big things. Uh, and certainly uh, looking forward to keeping in touch with you as well. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to the MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to the MBAJam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.